When running a business, your employees can create all kinds of interesting situations, like getting complaints because someone on the team always smells horrible. You better talk to Bambi. With Bambi, get access to your own dedicated HR manager starting at just $99 per month. They're available by phone, email, and real-time chat, so onboarding and terminations run smoothly. Team members reach peak performance, and your business stays compliant with changing HR regulations. And with Bambi's HR Autopilot, you'll automate important HR practices like setting policies, training, and feedback. Bambi's U.S.-based personnel are dedicated to your business, giving you access to the HR expertise and personal touch you need. HR managers can easily cost $80,000 per year, but Bambi starts at $99 per month. Schedule your free conversation today to see how much Bambi can take off your plate. Visit Bambi.com slash C-Suite right now. Spelled B-A-M-B-E-E dot com slash C-Suite. Bambi.com slash C-Suite. Welcome to the Family Brain with your host, Megan Gibson. The well-being of one person in a family affects the whole family system. This is a supportive community to share research, resources, stories, tips, and life hacks to keep the family brain healthy. Today on the Family Brain, I'll be talking with Kelly Newcomb who founded Brave Parenting. She also has a book called Managing Media, Creating Character. I have been following Kelly on social media and just love the work that she's doing around starting conversations with other parents around managing technology. And her focus is basically using technology and the limits and conversations we're having about technology to help develop the character in our kids and ourselves that we're looking for. And that's one of the things I love about the way she talks about managing media um, is starting with us, the adults, as the model. And I just think so often kids have the finger pointed at them as the ones who need to, you know, work on their overuse of technology or, oh, my child's so obsessed with these games. And for us to look at our own behaviors and what we're modeling to them. So I love talking with Kelly. You can learn more from her on her website, braveparenting.net. And I hope you enjoy this episode. Hello. Hi, Megan. This is Kelly Newcomb. Hi, how are you? I'm good. Thank you. How are you? Good. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk with me and to share everything you're working on. I was wondering if you could just tell me a little bit about Brave Parenting and how you came to found this organization, because I know it's not just about kids and technology. So maybe if you could just kind of walk us through that. Sure, absolutely. So um, I consider myself a brave parent of seven children adopted out of foster care. And so after adopting them, you know, I'm faced with the challenges of, of what they experienced in different homes or broken biological homes. And, and media had a lot to do with that as they kind of, you know, were all born at 2006 and before. So they're definitely growing up on the Internet. And one of my children that I adopted was 15 years old when we got her. And when we got her, it was 2013. And about then, every teenager was getting a smartphone. It was just the trend was skyrocketing, and so we wanted her to fit into her new high school, and so we thought, well, we'll give her a smartphone, but too much um, freedom on that could really hinder her, or her ability to contact 
people from her past that could be negative influences on her. So we re really researched um, the best way to put parental controls and boundaries and, and this sort of things in place in order to protect her and, and help kind of establish good character, good behavior, that sort of thing. Well, what we found is once she got to high school, it didn't matter what we did for her own smartphone because every kid had a smartphone and no one had parental controls. No one had limits. Mm -hmm. And so everybody would just hand her their phone or they would sell old phones that they had found in their house to her. And so she had, you know, what we would call, you know, illicit devices that she'd be using on Wi-Fi and, and that sort of stuff. And so what happened in, in 2015 is she um, had created all these fake Facebook profiles and connected with men across the country who she believed, well, one particular, she was just destined to be with. Yeah. And he um, messaged her, and we caught wind of it because um, she was got a little sloppy and started using Facebook on her home computer and things like that. And and when we brought it to her attention, she ran away. She just started. And she was gone for five days. And after five days, someone came to our house and is in tears, this girl from the high school who, who was friends with her, and said, you need to go find your daughter because she is going to be trafficked. Does this guy is coming from Michigan and he is going to take her and it's bad. We all know it's bad. You need to go get her. So we were able to rescue, basically rescue her from a trailer that was harboring runaway, runaway girls. Oh my gosh. This it is the kind crazy. of thing where you read about it and you think, oh, well, does that happen? I mean, you know what I mean? Like, it's, is this overblown? Is this really real? You know, it's, it's terrifying. It was. It was, it was terrifying. This is a girl from a traumatic past, a hard place. You know, not everyone is facing these kind of things. And so I just began talking to parents all over my community and everywhere um, that I knew people. And they would all say, I have no idea how to handle this phone thing. You know, I, I don't know how to put limits. and I don't have, I feel like it's out of control. And I don't know how to check my kid's phone. They just kind of do whatever. And I thought, wow, you know, what I do for my child is greatly impacted what everybody is doing. You know, it's, it's got to be um, a, a group effort, you know, a tribe of parents who are really willing to say, you know what, this might not, this unlimited internet access and social media and smartphone in their pocket may not be the, the best thing. And so I sort of, not even trying, had this like tribe of people around me who were like, yes, this is what we want to do. And um, after many other misadventures regarding technology and all my other kids, I finally um, just said, I'm just going to be brave and just start talking about it. I'm just going to start talking about it everywhere I go and um, making people aware of how the dangers it can be. And so that's how Brave Parenting was started. I love um, that. I love that. Because yeah. it is. I'm thinking to myself, like, what you were saying about sometimes it's just starting the conversation, right? Like, you don't want to seem like the lame one that's kind of like, so does your kid have um, restrictions because they're going to be at my house? Or, you know, I, I can see myself feeling uh -huh. like I don't want to sound like, the party pooper, you know, but this is their safety. This is what, you know, this is our job to keep them safe. Right. And you know what I found is as I started that conversation, if I drop one of my children off at um, a friend's house and I didn't know them very well, maybe they're only having a couple hour play date or something. And I would ask, you know, are there going to be any computers that they're going to have access to or, or phones that they could just get on the internet? 
because, you know, and, I, and for me, I have this kind of thing like, I, I just don't know. My kids have, you know, come from different places. And so I kind of want to know if they're going to have access to that sort of stuff. And the parents were actually thankful because it's awkward, but then they're real, they're like, they realize as well, oh yeah, like this is something that's a big deal. And maybe I should be considering whether or not, when I think my kids are playing in their bedroom, whether or not they have, um, you know, a computer or a laptop and what in there. I've talked to so many parents who have had play dates or sleepovers, um, had no idea that the other friends had brought a device in, and they're in the bedroom closet, like FaceTiming different, you know, boys or girls, vice versa, um, with no clue of what was going on inside that bedroom. So it opens up that conversation that, it starts awkward, but really so many people have come forward and said, I'm so thankful that you brought this up because now it's just out in the open and we can all discuss this freely because it's for the, our, the benefit of our kids. So did you basically start with people you were close with and then extend to other communities or do you, is it just every person your child's coming in contact with that you're basically saying this is something I that pay attention to? I, I init- yeah, that was where I initially started um, was right here just in my own community with my my kids, friends, um, was just kind of where I started talking about it and having that conversation because I thought, well, what what they do really matters to my kids, so I'm going to start right there. And then so many people, um, you know, kind of caught on. And I was a blogger beforehand, kind of sharing my adoption story. And so then I just basically turned, you know, my personal blog, I just kind of set that aside and and just started blogging about these type of issues on BraveParenting.net. Um, and then more and more people were just sharing it. And, and when I, uh, my focus, of course, is, is character. That's kind of the core of what I feel. Um, like media and technology isn't all bad, but it can very easily corrupt good character, which at the core is what we want for our kids. So I kind of talked about character some, and those um, blog posts were really popular, and that's kind of how my book was born, Managing Media, Creating Character, um, how to kind of build character with the technology that surrounds our kids, but then focus on how we can approach it with good character and set a standard, because there is no standard right now. It's kind of just a free-for-all, um, but as parents, it is our responsibility to set the standard for good character. Um, and how they interact um, on the internet and with technology. I wish you could see me right now because I'm like a deer in headlights. Oh my gosh, where do I even begin? I mean, I feel like that's (laughs) the hard part is it's just, I feel like there's so many things that I'm probably doing wrong that where do you even begin? What do you think are the biggest mistakes or or missteps that parents are making that, you know, where do, if you're feeling overwhelmed and you're, where do I even begin? What, what would you suggest? So, you know, my, the first chapter in my book is patience. It's, it's all, it's seven different character traits. The first one is patience, and, and that's twofold. One of the one mis- first mistakes I think parents make, and this is a hard one to swallow, is we aren't modeling the best behavior. Mm. Even though we are using our smartphones and our tablets and, you know, laptops, whatever it may be, um, for productive purposes, you know, a lot of us are, are working on it. Um, you know, our text conversations are, are usually not, you know, frivolous. They're, they're productive. We're talking to people. We're accomplishing things. We're setting up appointments. We're, we're getting things done. But what kids don't understand is, is that productivity that a parent is doing. They just see us on the phone. Right. They just see us on the laptop that, you know, and, and really maybe sometimes we're not being productive. Maybe we are watching Netflix. Um, but, 
as they've grown up the past 10 years that we've had iPhones, this is what they've seen. And so really we shouldn't be too surprised that as soon as we give them an iPhone or a, you know any sort of right smartphone, that's exactly what they do is they just start living on it and looking at it constantly. And so, and I will say, I don't think there's that huge difference between having an iPad and an iPhone. I've seen this whole thing about like, wait till I forget. What is it? Wait till eighth to get a phone. Yeah. But you can do almost everything on an iPad. I mean, I know you can't necessarily make a phone. Well, you can. You can Skype. You can. I mean, I don't know. Do you see a difference between them, or what? what? The only thing difference is the portability. Okay. Doesn't fit in your pocket. Right. Okay. And now teens these days, or kids of any age, really, you know, so the average age obviously to get a phone is ten. So really, ten and on, um, it's in their back pocket. They carry it around everywhere, Um, or even more so, it's in their hand. They don't even put it in their pocket because they're on it so much that they just physically carry it in their hands at all times. And so with the iPad, I agree. There is no difference in the functionality of what you can do, um, but you have that portability. Okay, that makes sense. So it takes a little bit more energy and to, to pick that up. Yeah. It's more of a commitment, I guess. Right, yeah. Uh-huh. And so I think, though, when you look at that, when you look at, you know, oh, my child doesn't have a phone, but they have an iPad that they can be on. You know, the key with patients, it isn't just holding out and not giving them a phone until high school or something like that, but it's patients in the sense of what you're allowing them to do with that technology and what how much time you're allowing them. And that takes our patience. It really, in order to build patience in our kids in a generation that is unlimited and, um, you know, easily accessible, no one has to wait for anything, right? We have Amazon, we have text messaging, like all of this stuff. Nothing requires a whole lot of patience. I took my son to the grocery store the other day and he was like, why aren't we Instacarting this? And I was like, oh, dude, no, no. It's true. Um, And we're just as guilty. So we have to be very conscious about teaching patience to our kids because there will always be inevitably something that is going to require our patience. Um, and so it's, it's stop, you know, it's limiting what apps that they can get. They shouldn't be able to have an, a smartphone at 10 and have everything that they want on there. You know, it's a slow progression. It's building up of trust and it teaches that patience. Mom, can I, can I get this new game? Well, one way of patience of teaching that is, well, I don't know about that game. So you're going to have to wait until I can research it to make sure that it's appropriate. And so even that can help teach kids and they just don't need everything that the the smartphone offers. So it's not always a question of, should I wait until eighth or, you know, what if they're at fifth and they're, they're always without me because of sports or my work or whatever, it may be appropriate to get that phone, but they don't need all the smart features. Okay. And I think that's where a lot of parents go wrong is because it makes them so happy and frankly, when they're entertained by it, it makes our life easier. Mm-hmm. And that's the harsh reality that I think all parents kind of need to be brave and, and buck up and say, I know it's easier for me just to have you on that device, but it's not what's best for you. That's so true. I was telling somebody, I, I use this um, app called RPACT. And it, yeah. have you heard of that one? And, yes, of course. And it, so I love it because it, it limits the kids. And I've told people about that. Oh, my kid. And then people's responses, oh, my kids need to be limited too. And what I've been noticing and what I've been trying to be more brave about saying is it actually holds me accountable because isn't it yes. so easy? I have three kids. They're not fighting when they're all on their devices. They're quiet. I can get whatever I want to get done, done. And I can easily just forget about it and not even pay attention. And then like hours go by. So hours, it really yeah. holds me accountable even more than them. I think it's true. 
I 100% agree. And we as adults can get lost in social media just as equally. And so what I have found is I also use the thing circle to control the home Wi-Fi, And I put limits on myself to make sure so that my, you know, where it says like, you know, circle recognizes Kelly's iPhone and Kelly's laptop. Those two devices, when it's connected to the internet, has limited time to be on Facebook and limited time to be on them. And then my Wi-Fi will cut out, you know, will cut it off, which I think is fantastic because we all need that. We can all get lost in it. So if we can do it as adults with fully formed brains, oh, my goodness, our our kids are so prone to addiction and obsession. You better believe that they're going to keep on going forever if no one tells them to stop. That makes sense. That makes sense. And that's the thing I've been trying to notice more in myself and sort of bring up, you know, when people are kind of, oh, this generation, kids these days, da, da, da. I'm like, you know what? We all have this issue. It's not just right. the kids. I mean, it's, it's all of us, you know? I mean, it's, mm-hmm. it's, and it's our grandparents too. I mean, they're very much active on um, their devices, reading the news on social media. You know, you can see it up to people in their seventies and eighties. That's so true. I signed my dad up for Facebook and now he's like the best Facebooker. If you, if you post a picture, he will say something nice about it. So shout out to my dad. That's uh, awesome. Uh, so what would you say are some of the things that hold people back from setting these limits? Like we know it's something we should be doing. I have a friend who recently was telling me, oh, we don't, I don't let my kids do Fortnite anymore. And I, I said, oh, I'm so jealous. Like, I don't have that capability to do myself. <laughs> what do you think it is that's holding us back? What is that about? Um, well, I think at the core, we all, you know, have bought into this idea that our, we want our kids to be happy. And if they're happy, then we're liked. And when we're liked, things are smooth. And that makes parenting really easy. Um, and devices and games and social media and all that makes our kids temporarily happy um, while they're on it. Um, but I think, you know, obviously we can look at the big picture and say, in the in the long term, though, it's kind of making them depressed. It's kind of, a, you know, causing this anxiety and all these um, different type of mental health issues that we see in the long term. But the short term, it makes our lives easy. Um, I can't tell you, like, over the summer, it, I, by the end of um, July, beginning of August, I would set, you know, with these many kids... I like, you know, have to beg the Lord, please, can I just like let them be on their devices? It would be so much easier right? because I have worked to entertain them. You know, I give my kids two hours a day, um, but there's still a lot of summer, you know, hours left. And, and I really want, part of me just wants to give it to them because I know it'll make them happy. They'll stop complaining. They'll stop, you know, saying that they're bored and, and then I can do what I want. I can get my stuff done. And right. I think that's I think that's really it. I've talked to enough parents to know it is just so much easier. And that's that's just it. And I'm fighting it, you know. Um, I have a, a pretty strong stance that social media really isn't appropriate um, mentally and emotionally for anyone under 16. And so that's my stance is that um, is 16 is where you can really start easing into that um, but and that's a hard thing for my young middle schoolers who see their you know their peers all on this and living on it, and communicating that way. Um, so that I definitely get a lot of pushback. But I look at the big picture and I 
try and tell them, I am thinking about your character. I'm thinking about your emotional and mental well-being. And that, you know, face-to-face relationships at this point in in your age and growth and development is so much healthier for you. So you want me to drive you to this friend's house so you can hang out with them? Absolutely. But going into your room just to sit there and text message or be on social media, not going to happen. And so that causes fights. And it's hard. It's hard. It is the brave thing. And I think because this is all so new, it's just making me realize what you were saying about having a community of support, other parents that are also working on this, other people that have your back. Because when I tell this stuff to my kids, they look at me and they're like, I'm not buying it. And then I start to question myself. Like, well, don't, I think I love them, right? This is for their best, right? I mean, and it's very easy to get you know, twisted in your own mind. Like, is this yes. the right thing? I don't know. This this person is not buying what I'm selling, you know? I agree. Yeah, you're totally right. They can convince you because, you know, they're your kids. They know you and they know how to push your buttons. Right. I mean, it's sad but true, right? They, they can easily do that. But it's true. Having um, a community, even, you know, knowing your, your children's friends' parents and having this kind of set, like, yeah, when they're together – we don't want them sitting on the couch looking at their own phones. We want them like hanging out, talking, and you know, doing something. And so, you know, we we do have those relationships where we can say, hey, when they're together, let's let's really, you know, focus on their relationship and not on electronics right. or not on screens. And like you said, that is brave because I I don't do that, and I'm I'm going to start doing that more. I mean, I think the people that I'm super comfortable with, but you know, people that. Our newer relationships, I don't really say that kind of thing. Uh-huh. So, it's, and I think once it's you start true. doing it, probably gets just easier, right? Like anything. It does. Yeah. It does. And um, you know, and I have found it, it's so appreciated because, like I said, we're all on this. No one really has a clue. Um, but when we all kind of bound together and say, you know what, this is the right thing. We all know it deep in our core because we didn't grow up this way. And, and so it's easy for us to look back and say, I don't know. You know, I just don't know if sitting on your phone all these hours, you know, is good and healthy. And so, um, yeah, just having those brave conversations with other other parents. Um, and, you know, and I approach it with teachers as well. Like if I hear that the teacher is like, okay, when you're done, you can all play on your phones. Um, you know, I approach that with the, with the school. Right. Like, I know that this can be your policy, but so far I've heard that this has happened three days this week. Yeah. How about they pull out a book? Yeah. Yeah. So. What would you say are some of the um, apps or the the programs on phones or on devices that are really things that parents need to look out for? I know there's a million, but what are some of the ones that parents are kind of giving their kids and your, your, your red you know, buzzer is going off in your brain, like, that's probably not right. Right. So, um, for the, for the younger kids, you know, it's definitely the social media apps, such as Instagram and Snapchat. They are the most popular amongst the kids, um, and there's a world of danger, um, that not every kid will get into, but it's very possible, um, especially for the young, adolescent, early teen mind, um, you know, these say that legally, you know, you can have an account at 13, but the average age to get an account is 11. And that's average. Wow. So we have kids seeing, um, you know, all sorts of stuff, say starting 9, 10, when they get their accounts. Snapchat, I would say, is, you know, it is the most popular. It's the one most used by adolescents and teens. And it, of course, 
holds a whole lot of, of dangers, not to mention the Discover section, which more people, I think, are kind of being enlightened on um, here recently. It is very uh, pornographic. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's sort of like reading, you know, the tabloids um, plus Playboy um, and every other celebrity type thing you could read um, all in one. And it's told in the version of a snap of a snap story which is just pictures and a little bit of text. So it appeals to kids because it's a quick, easy way that they think that they can kind of get some news and get what's going on in the world. Um, But um, it's very dangerous. And the ability to send pictures um, that are bullying in nature, and of course Instagram has these same type things, um, are are very, are just, it's so easy. It's too easy for them to send nude pictures. That's all happening, whether we, Unfortunately, I want to admit it or not, it's taking over our middle schools. Right. Every, mid- every middle school administrator that I've talked to say that it is the social media drama and the, the sexting through the social media apps that has taken over their jobs. Oh, my gosh. And so that they can't even do their admin work, I mean, because they're dealing with it every day. Wow. So um, those are the two things. I think everybody lets on because they look around to other parents and, well, this, you know, Susie here is a straight-A student, and she's, you know, like, involved, and she's great, and um, all this stuff, and while she has Snapchat, well, then I guess I probably have to let my kids do it, because I don't want them to be left out. Mm -hmm. That's a big thing I hear from parents, is they don't want their kids left out of that conversation. Right. Um, That's how I'm kind of feeling with Fortnite these days. I have such, like, conflicted feelings uh about it, but that's what all of their friends are doing, and I do limit it, but... But I I know in my own heart that that's why I'm allowing it, you know, like, because mm-hmm. there's so many other better things to be doing with your time, you know? Yeah, yeah, it's true. Yeah, Fortnite is obviously, yeah, the big hot topic right now. And and it's true. Um, and what's so funny is everywhere you look, it's like, oh, how to deal with Fortnite obsession. So if we're all kind of having these conversations of how to deal with Fortnite obsession, then it really is just going to take some brave parents to say, okay. You know, here's the deal. You get an hour or you get two hours, right? And that's just it. And have it arrange, arrange it with your friends because, you know, talk to their parents. Right. Um, you know, and, and that's the thing is we all are feeling it. And it's just going to take someone brave enough to start those conversations. Okay. I think you say, should just tell us what to do. You, yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's the thing that's so hard. It's like, uh, even if you want to be brave, it's like, okay, so what does that mean? What do I do next? Like, I'm just thinking as we're talking about this, like, maybe I'll let my kids continue to play. And and luckily, they don't listen to this podcast because they would um, let them continue <laughs> to play, but they don't get to use their money for V-Bucks anymore. Because that's one of the things that I feel like is so, like, spending money on this game and all of your money is going to, to what? You know? Not, I mean, yes. it's just insane. And that's where I feel like a, a lot of the emotional triggers get started is like, but this is only available for one day, you know? Like, well, okay. Yeah. And, you know, it really, we need to all recognize that our kids at these young ages are so prone to addiction. They, that's just how their brain is. And they will fall for every trigger, every marketing, you know, mm-hmm. type tactic employ that, that these game makers are using because they know exactly what's going to keep them in there. I mean, so the thing I always say to parents too is if you can look at it and say this is an addiction because if you take it away, it's causing any sort of stress, any sort of anxiety or, you know, trauma, if you will, then what if it was a drug? What if it was something else that we actually have, you know, scientific and all this data that it's really harming them? 
we would never just be like, well, that's just what the kids are doing. It's right. Yes. We, we wouldn't. And so if we can look at it and say, this is an addiction um, and not just fun, right? Because there is a big difference. Um, you can't be just be doing it just for fun. But if taking it away, right, the removal of it is actually causing them um, emotional, physical distress, then we need to do something. Right. We, we really do. It's well, that's where the time limits come in, into play, like for in Fortnite, is that, well, I'm not done with this game, but that the game will end, you know, because yeah. I've set these limits on it. And, um, and so I can see how that would be frustrating, but sometimes the level of reaction is just, like you're saying, not healthy at all. Yeah, yeah, it's true. Yeah, they definitely, these these game makers, these social media apps, all of these, they are really, they know what they're doing. Mm-hmm. There's there's no denying it, which luckily, I think a lot of people are waking up and they're yeah. kind of putting a lot of pressure on these companies to do a little bit better, which is really encouraging. I love that, um, just a different example, but like the iPhone and Android are now, coming up with um, new parental controls, new um, well-being type of apps that's going to tell you when you've been on your phone too long. Mm, that's um, good. So those things are really good, but for right now, games like Fortnite can still slip through and, you know, kind of attach themselves onto our kids and, and really hook them. Right. It almost seems like from what I'm hearing you say is almost it's like a mental shift right? Like instead of approaching technology as it's a good thing and, and waiting to see something that makes you nervous, approaching it like, I need to be aware because people are kind of trying to be sneaky with how they're getting our kids and what our kids are attaching to. And just to me, it's like a mental flip, you know, like don't wait until you see there being a problem, approach it as there could be a problem and research it. And that's a lot of work. It's a lot of work. Yeah. It is. You know, the, um, the character trait of self-control, there's so much there. And that, I think, is the one is one thing that we're all lacking a little bit when it comes to technology. Um, and so I have to, I, you know, I approach it in the sense I know that my kids won't necessarily be able to exert their own amount of self-control. They just can't. You know, they're, they're 12, they're 15. Self-control is not going to come easily to them. So I'm going to exert it for them. And so I tell them in advance, this is what I'm doing to help you practice your self-control. Mm. And, and then we talk about it. So one thing, like switching off video games, but like text messaging, um, I limit how many texts my kids can send and it's based on their age. Um, they get, you know, say, um, a 13 year old, um, gets a phone and so we'll start them off with how many texts do you think you're going to send a day? Oh, like a hundred. Okay, mm-hmm. great. Well, then I give you 3000 text messages and you've got to make that last a month. So you're saying about a hundred a day. So, you know, you might want to keep that in the back of your mind. Well, Two weeks into it, they have used all 3,000 texts. Oh. And then it shuts off. And so, and this is a, something you can set up with your cell service provider. So I use AT&T, so it's okay. called Smart Limits. Okay. Um, and, and so it's great. And so then they say, oh, I'm out of texting. And I say, oh, man, you know, where do you think that you lost your self-control? You know, was it one person? Was it, you know, just texting a bunch of emojis back and forth because it was funny. Um, you know, where, where was there? How do you think you can exert self-control the next time? Hmm. And they'll say, well, um, you know, of course, this conversation isn't as, you know, rainbows and sunshine as I'm making it sound. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> they are definitely not as, um, you know, forthright with these answers. But eventually they'll be like, I can just call my friend when I want to tell them I'm on my way. 
or if I really have a, something, a long conversation that I want to have, it really would be easier for me to just call them and talk to them over the phone, voice to voice, than to try and convey all of my feelings over text messages. Right. And that was always my goal, is to kind of get to that point. And they have. So my older teenagers, they will. They'll, they'll have the phone conversations um, instead of the, you know, long, drawn-out, you know, 200 texts to get one topic or one idea or one plan, you know, to hang out made. And so, and I, you know, it teaches them that level of self-control mm-hmm. because if not, if they run out, then their only choice is phone calls. Right. And I love <laughs> and, that attaching it to a character development thing, not yes. just for the kids, for them to see this is what we're working on, but almost as a reminder for me as a parent too, I'm not just doing this just to be a jerk. You know, I mean, I'm doing this because this is one of my goals. This is one of my priorities. And I'm going to communicate what that is. And to remind myself as well as them, you know, because I just feel like I just get lost in my own thoughts sometimes. Absolutely. It's true. And we just forget why we start this. And they, they of course, tell us we're mean and we're terrible for putting these limits and restrictions. And um, and I always go back to, no, I care way more about your character, you know, than I do your status on you know social media or your <laughs> right <laughs> because that this is right now your character is forever right and when we sit down so. and think about it I think we you know most people would say yes that is more of my value than being popular or being you know fitting in but a lot of times the behaviors and the choices we make are not to our values are not to the character they're mm-hmm. to the fitting in it is yeah yeah huh. yeah so it's true what um are there any other apps or things that that you would say for people to keep their eyes open for? Yeah, of course, there's all of the secret apps. You know, the calculator app is a notorious one where you can hide things. What? Um, and now there's several. <laughs> Never heard of that. Oh, you have it. No. Yeah, there is. It's called Calculator Plus, and so it looks like a calculator, but when you type in, and it acts like a calculator, to be honest with you. Um, but when you type in their secret password, which is, of course, a number, then it, it's basically like this hidden file system where you can hide photos. Oh, my and, gosh. Yes. So if you, I always suggest all parents, um, really, until they're like juniors and seniors in high school, really, they should not be able to download apps freely. Right. You should know everything that they have on their phone and plain and simple, you know that password and only you can approve because what they can get their hands on to, it's not like our kids are bad. It's just so easy to be deceived into doing bad things because the world around them, it just surrounds them. It's the, it's the culture. Um, I mean, no one when they're like nine years old says, yeah, I'm going to send nude photos of myself when I'm older. That sounds like a great idea. And right. then it gets spread around. You know, that's never their mindset. But they get into middle school and it's the culture. And then they, they just get deceived and convinced that this is normal. And so someone who's good can so easily say, oh, I did this. Now i got to hide the photos. Where am I going to hide it? Well, everybody tells me this calculator app, you know, I can hide it from mom and dad. <laughs> So it's just, like I said, it's not that all media and technology is bad. It can be used for so much good. But with our young children, it can just so easily corrupt their good character and the values and morals we're trying to teach them. Oh, this is heavy. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it's good because I feel like this is, but it's just no wonder we're all so anxious about it because there's so much we don't know. And it's really kind of overwhelming. 
Um, I mean, that's the bit, this is the biggest topic that people ask me to talk to people about, um, you know, and just get more information. And I'm hoping that by putting out these kinds of messages, I mean, thankfully you've been doing this work for a while. And so you have this information and it, hopefully it'll kind of help spark conversations between friends and between people. Like, well, what are you doing? Is that working? What's not working? Where are you seeing issues? And, um, I think sometimes we're so afraid to seem like judgmental, you know, like, Oh, what are you doing for iPad time? Or, you know, do you let your kid Uh have a YouTube channel or whatever it is that we don't want to seem judgmental, but it's not judgmental. It's just trying to figure out what we're doing. We're not, we're all in the same boat here. How do we manage this? Yes, exactly. It's, it's so true. Um, you know, and what I have found is um, I, whether I feel it or not, I try to exude that confidence to my children mm. that I um, that I do know exactly what's up. And uh, granted, I might know more than the average parent because I've obviously been researching it and uh, writing book, you know, writing a book on it. Um, but but they can still stump me on those. They'll, they'll mention something, and and I'll um, not have any idea. But you believe as soon as I hear them say something, I'm going to research it. Okay, what's this new app that I heard? Who's this new YouTube star that I, you know, heard talk, you know, that talk about? Because I just want to know what is it that they're talking about? You know, how is how can it possibly influence them? Because a lot of things is just conversation. I'm not necessarily going to take everything away, but they know that these are the standards that I set. Um, so, for example, the, you know, the time like over the summer um, for me with so many kids, it's very easy. I give them. Two hours a day from the same, it's the same two hours every day, right? Because we're in South Texas, it's crazy hot. So two to four is when they can play video games or um, play on a tablet or you know, do that sort of, of screen time. So they know that in advance. And so they don't ask me all day long, can I play? Can I play? Can I do this? Can I do that? Because they just know. I set it as a standard and it's not going to change. And so a lot of times it's just having that confidence of saying, this is what I have set. And that's, that's what there is. Right. So don't, don't ask, um, because this is what I think is healthy and this is what we're going to do. And the rest of the time we're going to do whatever else, you know? Right. No, that's smart. Um, it's like, almost fake it till you make it. Cause sometimes I, I, I am a little too transparent with my kids. Like, I don't know how to work that ass dad. I don't know. Um, I'm not good with this stuff, you know, and because I don't want to be good with it. There's a part of me that doesn't want to be good with it because I don't want to have to deal with their technology stuff. You know, but then I think then they see yeah. that as the weakness in me and yeah. how do we maneuver around her? Mm-hmm. Um, the one thing that um, I also uh, think is important, you know, we talked about maybe like the address apps, is this is when it not talks about enough. And so I just want to mention it here. So often kids are exposed to pornography um, or just really, you know, inappropriate things or that they kind of get their hands, maybe they're exposed to a little bit or they hear about it. Um, but where they're finding a lot of freedom is on grandparents' devices. Oh, so I'm hearing this a lot. So I'm starting to make this a, you know, a common topic because, you know, grandparents have gotten onto the, to the technology, you know, train and they have their iPads, they have their computers now. But because they don't need it, they're not putting any sort of parental controls on their devices. Right. They're not putting any sort of um, web filters um, on their laptops or Internet. And so when kids go and, say, visit Grandma and Grandpa or spend the night or maybe they're, um, you know, they get babysat or something of that sort. And grandparents nowadays, well, they tell me all the time, I just don't even know what to do with them which I think back, well, what did I do with my grandma? You know, right. surely there's something you can do with them other than a device. Um, 
But just as it is for us, it's easy for grandma and grandpa to hand them the device to give them, you know, the screen time so they can continue doing what they need to do or, or just to, you know, give them something to do. And because there's no restrictions, no limits, no filters on these, kids are finding pornography and all sorts of stuff on the grandparents' devices. Okay, that's a good warning. Because I think yeah. a lot of times grandparents, too, just want to be the nice one, you know, like, oh, you, yeah. I, I mean, we all want to be liked, but grandparents don't feel typically as much of a pressure of, you know, being the right. authority, mm-hmm. right, right, and being an authority figure. They want to be the happy gift giver, and that's an exactly. easy gift to give. Um, no, that's a really, really good uh, wake-up call, and hopefully grandparents who are listening that, you know, just to be aware that the, this is something mm-hmm. that we're all struggling with and to sort of get on board with us. Yeah, they, yeah, their devices need to have at least the basic, you know, the right. minimal um, sort of, you know, explicit content being limited type thing. Right. One of the things that, um, this is kind of shifting gears, but I was visiting a lower income school last week and the kids were talking all about Fortnite and being, when I get home, that's all I do until I fall asleep. And sometimes I'm playing it while I fall asleep. And for some reason I had it in my mind that, you know, this is kind of a, middle to upper class issue because you maybe don't have, but it seems like this is an issue that affects all socioeconomic groups. I mean, I'm using this one visit, but all the kids at the table seem to be in agreement that this is what they do. Yes, it's true. So um, now the numbers are pretty ubiquitous across um, all income levels and the, the amount of smartphones in the home. So the uh, middle to upper class, you know, will also have um, tablets and they will have laptops or, you know, computers in the home, um, more so than the lower socioeconomic, but they all have the smartphones. It's pretty much all the same. And so they may not have internet, but they'll use Wi-Fi wherever they can. So, And it's hard because sometimes you get these things going, like I got a new car and my husband was like, how about if I get you Wi-Fi in the car? So now the kids have Wi-Fi in the car. And it wasn't even something that I had really thought out. And and we haven't been using it. Um, But, you know, they know that this is an option now and it just ends up being sort of an uphill battle sometimes. Uh Um, What are there any things that you were hoping you were going to be able to talk to me about that I haven't asked you about? I'll make sure I have a link to the resources to your book. And I love your newsletters. I think those are great. So it's an awesome way. The Brave Parenting newsletters, you can put your email address in and get them sent to you. And it's a great collection of different articles and um, just all the things you're learning that you share, which I love. As we go. Yes. Yeah. So, um, I mean, there are obviously there's a million, you know, things that, you know, you can talk about specifically, but, um, Overall, you know, it's just this idea of, of getting on, on board. That's the main thing that I try and get parents is we just have to, like, take blunders off, you know, of our eyes and, and do that. And so many people are, are just clueless, um, and they just throw their hands up because I know I should do something, but I just don't know what. So we are actually um, – my husband is a web developer, kind of the technology brain behind everything that I know. And we are working on a, a new thing, a new feature on braveparenting.net where we're going to help you create a comprehensive media plan based on what devices you have in your home. And you can basically fill out this, you know, survey of saying I have, you know, two iPads, four smartphones, you know, two laptops, an Xbox, a PlayStation. And then we're going to provide you, you know, we can provide you with very specific, okay, this is the limits that your Xbox needs. 
Hmm. You know, here are, you know, the basic parental controls for an iPad that you should have for, you know, this age. Here's the time limits, and here's why the time limits should be set about this for, you know, say a four-year-old or a 12-year-old. And all of these sort of stuff. So that's what we're working on. That's what we hear parents say the most is, will you just please give me like, exactly what I should do? <laughs> right, right. And well, I think it, it can things. sound lazy, like I don't want to have to decide, but it's not. I mean, you're the one with the information. So it's hard, like, to make it a decision that you feel confident about if you don't have all the information. You know, I mean, I think I have some information, but you're telling me all kinds of things I don't know about, you know? Um, so that would be an amazing resource. Is that something that'll yes. be available soon or it's just, it's in the works? It's in the works. We're hoping uh, by the end of the summer. Wonderful. That's awesome. Yes. Yeah. So hopefully that will just be, you know, because obviously the more people we have on board who can just say, okay, yeah, I can do that. Today I'm going to send this. I'm going to watch this video. I'm going to learn how to do it. And, you know, there we go. And then, you know, the more our kids, I think, um, will start to realize that, um, you know, I can't just go down the street where they have unlimited screen time and play all day, you know, because now they're waking up and they're, right. <laughs> they're having the same thing. And so we aren't all, only the bad guys right. is, you know, all of the parents are getting, you know, on board with the same thing. Well, and I'm thinking of my own house. I feel like where we would need to start is just even making sure my husband and I are on the same page, you know, because that's, I mean, that's a basic building block. And sometimes it's not for lack of, I mean, for huge differences of opinion, but just for lack of communicating about it, you know, right. so they can play off of each one of us. Yeah, it's true. I have a whole, you know, section that I talk about that in the book, you know, that's such a, a big part of it is, is number one, keeping yourself accountable for your, you know, because we can all kind of fall astray and just start staring at a screen, um, you know, so having that um, ability to keep one another, husband or wife, or whoever you're parenting with, um, accountable, and then also coming into an agreement, um, and I also recommend whatever you agree to, like, okay, this is what we're going to allow the kids to do, this is what they're going to have, is write it down, okay. because once you, once you kind of decide and set, what happens is you, you implement those, but then your kids who are so lovingly um, sneaky in their words, <laughs> will we'll say, well, you never said that. And then you'll question yourself. Like you had said before, you get lost in your thoughts. You'll say, well, did I? I thought this was the role. Right, this right. Wasn't the role. It's so confusing. Yes. Yeah. Or my kids all say, you lost your time today, you know, if, if they weren't behaving or whatever. And, um, okay, well, so then I get it tomorrow then. And then they think they get double time. No, no, what? <laughs> but I start to yeah. get confused. I'm like, I don't know. Wait, what? Exactly. Uh, yeah. So we always um, write it down. If there, if there was a, you know, they did something um, that they're actually being punished for, we'll actually write it down. This okay. is the exact date that you can get, you know, your text messaging back okay. or, um, you know, games back onto your phone, um, whatever that, you know, whatever that may look like. And that way, they know that they can't trick us, right? Because we're gonna, right? We're gonna try and prove to them. We know, we know what's going on, and we have the upper hand, right? You, you know, just because you're 16 doesn't mean that you're, you know, all knowing, right? Right. <laughs> in media, in technology, even though you may know more than me, actually, right? But we're the parents, and therefore we get to, you know, decide how this is gonna work for their best interest, right? And you know, it's funny listening to you and talking with you, it's making me realize, I think I have a resistance to all of this, almost like 
why should I have to deal with this? Like, this hasn't always been what parenting is. And I'm kind of annoyed by it, you know, that this is frustrating. But this is the world. And I think I just have to realize, like, I mean, because I've never really noticed that. But I'm like, this is, I do. I think I feel a little resentful that I have to do all of this, you know, that it's not the way it used to be. Um, But this is how it is. And I, I mean, what are the other options? I mean, I can't take away technology. I mean, yeah, yeah, wipe it off the face of the earth. Yeah, think that going, you know, like going completely off the grid and, you know, having a compound, you know, with 900 acres or something, like, right. No one else, you know, can see you have no internet. It just doesn't work that way. That's just not ever, you know, going to be the way it is. So we just need to teach them how to use it appropriately and how to go have good character. And they'll always, you know, they'll fail some. And then they'll have some wins and some, you know, losses and they'll try some things and be like, nope, actually, you know, that's not, you can't do it that way. Or you can't talk that way of, you know, protection. You need to be kind, you know, all this sort of stuff, but they need us to be the guide. Right. We have to be the guide. Otherwise their peers are the guide and which is what's kind of normal for teenagers, but that's a very dangerous guide. So they need to know that we have their best interest in mind in the home. And they, I, I believe they will thank us for it because you know, I think all of us can look back on our teenage years um, and say, why didn't my parents let me do that? And I think it could be even greater and, and worse so for our kids today, depending on where they end up, say 30, and they look back and, you know, maybe they're still obsessed with technology. Maybe that, that technology ruins their relationships. Maybe they don't have the ability to hold relationships as well. And they'll look back and say, why did my parents let me just sit on my phone, mm. you know, for eight hours every right. day over the summer? You know, why did they do it? Because then their brains are formed and they can look back and see it. So right now, in today's time with these young kids at home, we have to kind of be that brain that is being taken over from oh, technology. I love that. That's such a good way of thinking about it. Um, yeah. I feel motivated. Um, <laughs> uh, so this is one of the questions I ask at the end of each podcast, and it's the way I think about it is that in this podcast, we're talking about keeping the family brain healthy. And I mean, all that we just talked about, all the energy we're expending to kind of make sure everybody's healthy in the family. But my question is, what is your self-care? How do you take care of yourself? Is there something that you do to, um, make sure that you're being taken care of so that you can do all of these other things for everyone else? Um, well, so two things is, you know, I'm a, a firm believer um, in, in Jesus. So my time with the Lord is huge. Um, and I make sure that that is a, a, a big part of, of my own, my every day is renewing myself and my faith. The second thing which I think is equally as important for my children and as well for my own self-care is working making sure that my marriage is first mm. before my children. Um, if I didn't have my husband to parent right alongside of me with these seven kids, I, I have no idea. I have no idea how it, it was just wouldn't happen. Right. <laughs> and um, so making sure that that is always the most, most healthiest part, because if we're healthy and we're healthy together and we're on the same page, then we can parent so much easier. And when we're parenting easier and better, they're happier. No, I love that. And they're healthier, for sure. The two things I've always, my husband and I have said when we adopted all these kids is, okay, we don't know what we can do, but we know we can do two things. We can show them Jesus, and we can show them a good marriage. I love that. That's great. For kids coming from broken homes, we think that, you know, a good marriage can 
can be everything that they need to see. That might have to be our next podcast talk at some point. Because yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure you have a lot to say about that with, with seven children. It's, yeah. I'm sure you have a lot to say about marriage and what works and what doesn't work. Yeah, I have a lot to say also about like trauma. Oh, right, trauma. right. Okay. Because that trauma is part of my everyday wow. life, figuring out what their trauma triggers are, working, changing my parenting style to um, to accommodate them, to help them. Right. It's it's an everyday, yeah, everyday thing with seven kids from hard places. Yeah. Well, I can imagine because even, I mean, my kids are not adopted, but each one is so different. And then add trauma to just differences between people. And it's, uh-huh. it's a lot. Um, well, I think we should definitely talk again. You're very easy to talk to. Um, so, <laughs> um, but I've loved hearing all that you know, and it's definitely opened my eyes. And like I said, it has helped motivate me. I think it's it's kind of helped me work through some of my own resistance to like, poor me. Why do I have to do this? Yeah. Um, and I don't think I'm alone in that. So yeah, we'll I'm have to band say, together. Not alone. Yeah. Is, I mean, and I feel that way too. Right. And yeah. So you're not alone. Okay. All right. Well, we'll have to go team. Uh, But thank you so much, and I'll definitely be in touch. Okay, sounds good. Thanks, Megan. If you enjoyed today's episode of The Family Brain, I would be so appreciative if you would leave a review. Now, it's not the easiest thing to do, and don't let that discourage you because we can do hard things. I think you can do this. I believe in you. If you go to uh, my podcast site and it has a list of all the different episodes at the very bottom you will see ratings and reviews and then underneath that there's a little purple thing that says write a review and then that's where you can let your feelings be known and I would love it if you would leave a review it's fun to see them and to hear what you guys think and it also helps other people find the show I also have a Facebook group called the family brain podcast And if you are interested in that, you can check that out on Facebook and on Instagram, it's Family Brain Podcast. And I post different things in both places about upcoming episodes and just extra resources. So I would love for you to join and be a part of the community in that way as well. I just want to give a shout out to Game Day Media, who produces the podcast, and also to my buddy, Jill Goolsby, who does the show notes. And I wouldn't be able to do it without those people having my back. So thanks so much. podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.